0: Praise God that we have a a Savior who does not pass us by. Amen. That he is willing to hear our, our pleas of mercy. And we stand before him today like blind Barbanais, asking the Son of Man, the Son of God, to have mercy on us. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence we thank you for this opportunity to praise your name to give glory to you O king of kings and lord of lords father i pray that your will would be done i pray father god that you will be glorified through your preached word for it is our only hope father god of salvation I pray, Father, that you will open our eyes and and open our ears and open our hearts in order that, that your word would fall on fertile ground, that we would not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Father, we believe in the Holy Spirit, and we believe that your Son is alive and doing well. We believe that he is more than able to speak personally to us and allow us to to leave this place but not your presence encouraged to continue to fight the good fight of faith I thank you for your servants and I pray and ask you to speak now for your servants are listening speak now for your servants are listening for your namesake and for your glory In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. 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 It's so good to stand before you, uh, the people of God, and uh, honor to be able to proclaim his most holy word, amen, his inerrant and infallible word, uh, which is mighty to save. I will ask you to stand to your feet uh, as we travel today to Matthew chapter 11. And we're going to read verses 25 through 30, Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. Today we are starting a new series, a series that we will be preaching from and through for uh, probably the next two months, uh, that is called, the series is called The Process of Salvation, The Process of Salvation. For the next two months, we will be looking at how God saves, amen, because it truly is God who saves, and today we're going to be looking at the first part of our series, which is not the first thing that happens in order for us to be saved, but it's the first part that we're going to look at today, and that's called the calling, amen, how God calls us and how we respond to the shepherd's voice. We're going to start at a very familiar passage today, Matthew chapter 11, verse 25 through 30. When you get there, say, Got it. That's enough, got it. I'm going to go forth. Amen. (laughs) Matthew chapter 11, verse 25 through 30, and the precious, powerful, purposeful word of God reads At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You may be seated in the name of Jesus. The called, responding to the shepherds, voice. To be called means to be summoned by God to be in a special relationship with Him. And when a person says that they are saved, what we're saying is is that we have received a, a special summons, we have received a a special call from our mighty king and we responded to that call, a call to be in a special relationship with him. After me and Lady Amber got married and got back to Louisville, you know I wanted to to impress her so I took her to a, a nice restaurant and we ordered dinner and I was looking at the prices and my throat got a little thick as I swallowed. But nonetheless, we ate there, and we enjoyed the meal thoroughly. And uh, the waiter comes up at the end of the meal. And, of course, he hands me the check, and I look at the check, and I say, well, praise the Lord. And uh, I go into my pocket and get my debit card out, and I put it in the, the holder and, and give it back to the waiter. And the waiter looks, and he says, sir, we, do, we don't take Visa. Uh, We don't take MasterCard. We don't take plastic. The only thing we take is cash. Well, I said, praise the Lord. (laughs) Amen. And he looked at me and he said, but there is an ATM at the beginning of the restaurant. When you first come in, there's an ATM and you can go and get cash out of the ATM in order to, to pay for your meal. This restaurant had an exclusive way in which they wanted their customers to pay for their meals they weren't accepting checks credit card debit debit card visa or mastercard none of that was acceptable the only thing that was acceptable was paper cash and here we see jesus after he gives woes until some unrepentant cities we see him giving a call and the call says come unto me jesus gives a specific call And that's the first thing we have to understand about our salvation when we come to be saved, that we are called to come to Christ and Christ exclusively. We are not called to come to Christ and Buddha. We are not called to come to Christ and Muhammad. We are not called to come to Christ and something else. Christ looks and he says, come unto me. Throughout the ministry of Christ, when he gives invitations and and calls people to receive the eternal kingdom of God, he he makes it clear that he is the exclusive way. He is the only one who will satisfy the Father. Often he he calls out and he lets people know this. He, He called out in John chapter 6 verse 35, he says, I am the bread of life. He doesn't say I am a a piece of bread. He doesn't say I am a a type of bread. He doesn't say I am a, a part of bread. He says I am the bread of life and whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. It's an exclusive call to come to Christ and Christ alone. He says, I am the door of the sheep. If if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He didn't say, I am a door. He didn't say, I am a type of door. He said, I am the door. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one enters, no one enters into the Father but through me. So the call that we receive uh, 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 to to be saved, the call that we hear is an exclusive call. This this call that we receive is a a call to no longer be malnourished. It's a call to no longer be out of the shepherd's gate and under the torture of wolves. It's a call to no longer walk and and grope in darkness. It's a call to no longer live a lie. It's a call to no longer be zombies, spiritually dead people. It's a call to come to the one who created us, to come to the one who has purpose and power, to come to the one who has life. It's a call to be children of light. It's a call to be sons and and heirs of the kingdom of God. It's It's a call to be made new. Come, Jesus says, come unto me, come unto me. Acts chapter 4, verses 11 through 12, we see Peter and John preaching the gospel, basically, to, 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 to unbelievers, to, to a council. And they, and they say these words as they stood before them. They said, Jesus is the stone that you, that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And today we stay in a society that rejects this message. We, say we live in a society that, that wants all religions to, to coexist, that, that says it doesn't matter how you get to God as long as you have faith in God. We, we stay in a society that is open to, to pluralism, they, that, that's not exclusive, that says, yeah, you can be a, a Baptist and, and still believe in, in Muhammad and, and Buddha. I was at Java just Friday, and I was blessed to be able to engage in a pers- with, with a person and share my faith to him, and, and he was, was so happy and, and open to have a conversation about religion with me, but, but he told me that, that he didn't believe in, in a specific way to God. And he told me that he goes to church with his wife and his wife is the same way. He says that sometimes we go to the, to the temple and sometimes we go to the mosque and, and sometimes we go to the, the Baptist church and we feel that as long as we're going somewhere to hear about this higher being, then we're okay. And college students, when we're in those religion classes, they're going to try to tell you that all religions are, are beautiful and it doesn't matter what religion you, you come to as long as you have some type of faith. And even if you don't have some type of faith, it's okay because God is merciful. But Jesus makes an exclusive call. And the second thing we want to understand about the call is not only is it to to a specific person, not only is it to Christ, but, but the second thing we want to understand is that there is a general call to everyone. This call is to everyone. He says, come to me all you who are, who labor and are heavy laden. When Jesus stands and he calls, he says, come unto me, and then he says, oh, this is not exclusive to any type of of person. He's saying no matter what ethnicity you are, whether you're African American, whether you're Caucasian, whether you're Asian, no matter what type of ethnicity you are, you can come. No matter what gender you are, you can come. He says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden. And we need to understand that the calling, the the gospel call is a call that that goes out to the earth. It's a call that goes out to everyone. It's a a general call that says everyone is, is welcome to come. And the reason why everyone is welcome to come is because every human being is born with labor and heavy laden. I get nervous when I hear people preach uh, an ethnic-driven message. The gospel is not just for one group of people. The gospel is for every group of people because every group of people have been born in the same way. Every group of people is born with a heavy laden called sin. There is no person on this earth and who has ever walked the earth save our precious Lord Savior who got out of the sin nature that was given by Adam. We all are born sinners because of our our, our parents and our parents' parents and our, our first parent, which is Adam and Eve. We all are, are plagued with a, a sin nature. So when Jesus stands and and makes this general call, He He calls out and He says, Come unto me, all you who are heavy, who labor and who are heavy laden. Every single person. Because every single person is a sinner. That precious child that you hold, that's one or two years old, is born a sinner. Job said these words in Job chapter 14, verse 4. He says, who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? He says, there is not one. There is not one who can bring a a clean thing out of an unclean thing. David said, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. The call of the gospel is a a call to all to come come and lay down their burdens, lay down and, and find rest in Christ, because sin is burdensome. You don't hear me? Sin is hard work. Sin is tiring. Sin is exhausting. Because we were not created to find pleasure in anything else other than God. And when we seek pleasure in non-eternal things, we insult an eternal God and it's hard work. It's hard work, it's hard work. So Jesus stands and he says, come unto me, come unto me. Revelations twenty-one seventeen. we see this open call. As the Bible says, the spirit and the bride say, come and let the one who hears, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who desires take the water of life Without price, come unto me, all you who labor and who are heavy laden. I will give you rest. That is the message of the gospel. That is the message of what we believe. When we received Christ, we we came to, to Christ to find rest from our sin. It says, take my yoke. Upon you, and learn from me. a yoke bound oxes, oxen together. and the oxen, because they had a, a yoke around their neck, they would be yoked up with a, another oxen and, and they would have to to carry the materials that, that they're Master, had them carrying, but, but a yoke, if, if, a, if an ox was, was connected to another ox and had a yoke, the, the, the burden of what it was carrying was not as heavy as if it was carrying it by itself. And Jesus is saying, come unto me, yoke up with me. Yoke up with me. And, and I, will, I will make the, the burden of sin and the, the burden, of my, burden of life easier. I remember when I was a young boy, I would see my father moving stuff around the house. And he would move furniture, you know. I remember once he was moving the, the, this king-size bed, the mattress, and he picked it up and flopped it and put it against the wall. And, and I remember looking at him saying, man, that is huge. My father is so strong. So I, I remember when, the, the, when he was flipping the bed and putting it back, the mattress, and putting it back on the bed that I asked him to help, and he said, yeah, come, come and help. And I, I helped him, and I just picked up the edge and was struggling just to pick up the edge. And he put the mattress back on the, on the bed on the springs, and I felt like I had did something, like I was strong. But we all know in actuality what, what was happening. We all know what was really happening. My father had the weight of the burden on him. And he allowed me to carry as much as I could carry, but but the whole time he was carrying it. When we come to Christ, yes, we have burdens, yes, we have trials, yes, we have tribulations, but we have one who is mighty and one who is strong and one who is able to carry the burden. He says, take my yoke, and he says, learn of me. Become a disciple of me. Watch the way that I move and and read about the way that I I live and and take it upon you because it is what you were created to do. It is what we were created to do, created to be in fellowship with God, to, to walk with God. Third point about the call is that mankind, human beings, we will always reject the general call if left to ourselves. Because we cannot save ourselves. The first point is is that Christ makes a call to himself for us to come to himself. The second point is that there is a a general call to everyone to come. The third point is that everyone will reject the call if left to themselves. And we testify of this all the time. When we talk about our salvation and our experiencing salvation, we, we say, God saved me. And then we fill in the blank. We say, God saved me because I was a thief. God saved me from theft. He he saved me from racism. He saved me from hatred. He he saved me. I was a a drunk. He saved me. I was on, on drugs. We are saying that we recognize that we could not have saved ourselves. That only God can save us. And the Bible teaches us that, that every part of us is affected by our sin. That sin's stronghold is, is so strong that it affects every part of us. It's what we call total depravity. That because of our sin we are unable to save ourselves. We are unable to think rationally uh, by ourselves. We are unable to reason with the gospel and accept it by ourselves. We are slaves of sin. We are in bondage to our sin. We are slaves of the flesh walking in carnality. Every human being if left to themselves would reject the gospel. The Bible says that there is no one who is righteous. No, not one. Every human being will reject it. Why don't people allow Christ to give them rest? Why is it when people hear the gospel and the general call and hear about God's love, why is it that some people reject and others do not? Why is it that some people gravitate toward and and they hear this call and and it it fills their heart and they say, yes, I want rest and, and others do not? Well, the ones who do not, the Bible says it is because, in essence, they want to be their own God. The call of the gospel is a call to be under the lordship of Jesus Christ. It is a call to submit to Christ and to allow Christ to be the center of our life and to be our life. And those who reject the gospel are those who are saying, no, I want to be my own God. We see this in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, as Satan, that that snake, as he is tempting Eve. We see that that the, the way that he gets into Eve's heart is by tempting her to be just like God. If we be honest about it, when we were in the world, that's what we were saying. I want to do it my way. I don't want to come to church. I don't want to hear about a God who gave rules to Israel. I don't like rules. I want to make my own rules. But other people reject the gospel because they are in a situation in which their sin is their God. Not only do they want to be their own God, but they are just in love with the sin that they are in. So therefore, they continue to suppress the truth, Romans 1 says. They claim to be wise, but in claiming to be wise, they become fools. And what they do is they justify their actions. They justify their actions sometimes with intellect. Go to someone and you tell them, listen, God is calling you to him. He, he's calling you to rest, and, and the gospel is calling you to lay down your burdens and, and your sins. And, and then they give this long intellectual argument with why they don't believe the word, the Bible to be the word of God and why they don't believe in Christ. The book of Romans says that they are suppressing the truth that God has revealed to them the truth in their, uh, in their hearts but they suppress it and they justify it and they come up with a, a whole bunch of intellectual arguments in order that they can remain in what they love. and what they love. And that's burdensome. That's burdensome. We see this with the rich young ruler Jesus is giving a, a general call and he, he, he tells the, the young ruler comes to Christ and is interested to, to be his disciple and, and Jesus then dialogues with him in conversation. The rich young ruler, he says, you know what, I've kept the law, I've done all that the law requires and Jesus looks at him and says, cool, well go and sell everything that you have and follow me. The rich young ruler in his heart knows that Jesus is the way. He knows that Jesus is the truth. He's looking at a man who has never sinned, whose voice is, is beckoning him to come, and he says, no, I'm okay. He turns his back on Christ because he loves money more than Christ. And I'm pretty sure that as he walked away from Christ that he justified his actions with some reasonable logic we see the same thing with Paul before Agrippa and Paul is preaching the gospel in chains and he's letting Agrippa know about his savior and Christ and what Christ came to do and Agrippa feels a little tingle in his heart and hears the word and he looks and and probably leans back and says Paul, oh man you're good you're good if you had kept preaching if you had kept talking, you probably would've won me. What is Agrippa doing? He's suppressing the truth. He's suppressing that, that general revelation, that general call to come and to, to know God. But that's not just the rich young ruler. That's just not King Agrippa. That's everyone who rejects the gospel. And if we be honest with ourselves, if I'm honest with myself, that was me. Very few people in this church came to Christ the first time they heard the gospel. Very few people came to Christ the first time they heard Jesus preached. We have a picture of salvation that is in error, that's wrong. And this picture of salvation says that, that when we heard the gospel that, or, or, or that we uh, ran to God because we recognized our sinfulness on our own power. It's, this, it's a picture of a, of a child, a sick child. And he's sick and he's ill and he sees his father with some medicine and the father says, come and take this medicine. But the child doesn't want the medicine. And many of us, we see the child running to the father with his hands open and saying, yes, give me the medicine. But that's not the picture of the gospel. That's not the picture that we see in Scripture. The picture that we see in Scripture is a picture of this sick child running away from the father when he calls. And the father runs down this child and picks up the child and and shows the child his face and gives him what he needs. Salvation will not come in our own strength, in our own might, in our own intellect. We will reject the gospel if left to ourselves because we are not strong enough to overcome sin by ourselves. Point. Number four, God chooses to be merciful and reveal himself to some in a special way. God chooses to be merciful and reveal himself to some in a special way. Look at your Bibles, and let's go up to verse 25. Jesus has just rebuked some cities that he has just got through from preaching in. In Matthew chapter 11 and 1, we see that Jesus is with his disciples, and after he instructs them that he goes on his way preaching and and teaching in their cities. And then we see in verse number 20 that after Jesus had preached in these cities that he begins to denounce these cities, and he begins to denounce them because he is saying that if I had preached this message to some other cities, and the cities that he uses, Tyree and Sidon and, and, and Sodom, he says if I had preached this message to other cities, and these are cities that were known in the Old Testament for being God-haters, he says they would have come, they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes. But he, he curses these cities because they are not repenting. And then he goes on in verse 25, and it says, At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father. He prays to the Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. He begins to pray, and he thanks God for for hiding something from a specific group of people. And here he says the wise in understanding. And what he's saying is not those who have a, a good wisdom, a good understanding, but he's saying those who are wise in of themselves, those who are not humble, those who are proudful. And he says, I thank you, God, that you have hidden this from them, but that you have given, that you have revealed a, a special revelation to, to little children, to those who are, are humble. The Bible says that only the humble shall inherit the kingdom of God. Only those who who make themselves low. Verse 26 says, Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Such was your will to, to hide a call from a specific people and allow another specific people to have that call. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal himself. So Christ makes a call for for all to come to him. And when when we hear this call, we reject this call in our own power and in our own might. But God chooses, to be gracious to a specific group of people despite their sin and rejection. And this is called the effective call. The effective call. God gives a general call to all to come. But within that general call, there's what's called an effective call. An effective call is the powerful act of God the Father speaking through human proclamation of the gospel in which he summons people to himself in such a way that they respond in faith. So God gives a a general call for all to come. And because of the, and some within that crowd has a a hard heart like, like Pharaoh in Egypt, but there's others who are responsive to the gospel because God chooses to be merciful on their behalf. God hates sin. And the Bible speaks a lot about Sin and its effects, he hates it so much that he says the payment of sin is, is death, a spiritual death, and, and eventually an eternal death being thrown into the lake of fire, which is an eternal castaway from God's presence. He hates sin so much that that's, that's how he repays those who, who choose with their own heart to go against his will. But when we really stop and think about it, all of us is plagued with sin. And God is perfect. He has never sinned. God choosing to reveal himself to us and to know us is a marvelous phenomenon. Because when we think about the dirt of sin to God, how that must look, it's incredible that he would even choose to to reveal or have mercy on any sinners. God, I once heard someone use this this sharp distinction, he said, God choosing to dwell amongst men and to have a relationship with men is like a man choosing to have a relationship with a roach. I don't get up and walk out past the Jamal called us roaches <laughs> but when we think about our sinfulness when we think about how much we sin just in one day and how God throughout the eons of eternity has never sinned there is a big depiction and it is amazing that God would choose to intervene and have a relationship with anybody who is as dirty as us. The Bible says that our works, that our righteousness stand before a holy and awesome God. Like a filthy rag. But he chooses to be effectual to some. We see this in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 7, God choosing, and we know that we're all in the same boat, so God is not choosing based upon some good or some merit that we have. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. See, the Lord speaking through Moses to to Israel. Recorded by Moses, it says these words. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. So God... Out of all the people on the face of the earth, he chose Israel to be his people. He looked at all the people on the earth, all the the, the sinful, dirty people, and he, he looked in, he narrowed in on a specific people, Israel. And he says, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you. And chose you, for you were the fewest of all people. God lets Israel know, I did not choose you because you had it going on. Huh? He lets them know, I did not choose you because you had some good merit. In fact, he he smashes them and says, you were the fewest. And, and when God gives us a, a call, when we respond to the gospel call, it is God being gracious and merciful to us. The fact that you can see, the fact that you are here today, the fact that you love God, it is not a result of something that you and I did. It is a result of a sovereign and holy God choosing and electing before the foundations of the earth to allow us to respond to his call. As a king summons someone to come in his kingdom, so has God summoned us to come. And God was gracious enough to allow us to to hear his voice. The Bible says, my sheep know my voice, and a stranger they will not follow. You ever thought about why you're not down the street at the temple with the Jehovah Witnesses? Have you ever thought about why you're still not in a a, a crack house selling or taking? Have you ever wondered why you're still not a habitual liar and manipulator? Have you ever wondered why you're not in jail like your homeboys back in Chicago? Have you ever wondered why you are putting your faith and trust in Christ? It's not because we ran to him openly and willingly and said, this is what I want. It's because he chased us down in that crack house. He chased us down in Chicago. He chased us down and he said, I'm going to use you for my glory. Despite your sin, despite your manipulation, despite your heartache, despite your your pain, I have a plan for you. Despite your merits, he didn't choose us because we are so smart. He didn't choose us. If if that's the case, he would have saved every brain surgeon. No, God takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. We weren't won by an argument, we weren't won over to Christ by apologetics. Very few people come to Christ because someone gave a rational reason of why they should come. Very few people sit at a coffee shop with another person and say, these are all my objections to why I'm not a Christian, and I want you to to give me a logical and rational reason for why I should become a Christian. No, we were called one day probably from the most simplest thing, from someone saying, for God so loved the world. We weren't called because someone had a convincing presentation. We were called because God was doing something in our heart. Just as he called Paul of Tarshish on that road of Damascus when Paul was going against God, he was kicking God. The Bible says that Paul saw a light, and Paul at the time was Saul, and he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you kicking against me? One day God allowed us to hear a call after rejecting the gospel over and over, and he said, Jamal, Jamal, why, why, Jamal, Jamal? Minister Maceo, why? Minister Roland, why? Why are you rejecting me? And he showed us his love and allowed light to come into our hearts. It was not because of us. It was because of him, because he has a, a plan. And he graciously allows us to be a part of that plan. The Bible says we all were like sheep headed to a slaughter. Have you ever seen on TV or on YouTube a slaughterhouse? I want to make Peter upset right now. Amen. You see how they do chickens and chickens are are lined up and they are they are murdered or killed. Amen. Let's use kill one by one and, and taken through a machine and treated this way and, and packaged. The Bible says that sin had us like that. We were all headed towards the slaughter. We was, we was all headed towards death, but, but God being rich in mercy, he chose to, to intervene and he said, come here with me. I'm going to use you for my glory. for my glory. Bible says, Jesus says that no one comes unto the Father unless I no one comes to the to me unless the Father draws them. Because we are in bondage. Let's look at another illustration Exodus chapter 6 shows the the horror of sin, shows the bondage of sin, shows that we are unable to save ourselves. Great example in Israel, from Israel, He says, but the Lord, verse 1, but the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of this land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. Notice that God appeared to them. They didn't appear to God. They didn't do anything. God appeared to them. And God, I'm sorry. Verse 4, and I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I heard the groaning of the people of Israel whom the Egyptians hold as slaves and I have remembered my covenant. Do you see that language? That language of deliverance. Israel was too small and too weak to deliver themselves, but God heard their groans and chose to be merciful and delivered them with miraculous acts. And this can be true of the Christian life. We were in bondage to our sin. The Bible says that we were dead in our trespasses and in our sins. But God chose to be gracious and he chose to deliver us. When we say that we are saved, we are saying that we have been delivered from a power that that was stronger than ourselves. That we have been captivated by a mighty God who chose to be merciful salvation is deliverance it's deliverance it's deliverance John chapter 11 verse 38 through 44 we see a powerful story the story of Lazarus Lazarus is dead Martha and Mary's brother he's in the tomb Jesus comes and Jesus makes a call He tells Lazarus to come. Now notice he was specific. I like the fact that he said, Lazarus, come. He had an effective call for Lazarus. There was others who were dead in Israel, but Jesus had a purpose for Lazarus. So he spoke and he said, Lazarus, come. And Lazarus, who was physically dead, who had been dead for days, got up with grave clothes on, and he began to come out of that that tomb. And Jesus told those grave clothes to come off of him. And Lazarus lived. That is the picture of me and your salvation. God could have called someone else to be saved. He could have called your roommate in college who was now an atheist. He could have, at a, at, the, at a certain time, called someone else, but, but he chose to call you and me, and not because of our works, but because he has a purpose and a plan. What is his purpose and plan? Looking at John chapter 11, this call of Lazarus, we see that Lazarus fulfilled his purpose. He fulfilled what God was calling him to do. Verse, chapter 12, verse 9, It says, when the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. God raised us from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away believing in Jesus. God, Jesus, called Lazarus specifically out that grave at that specific time in order that Lazarus would come forth. And when Lazarus came forth, he fulfilled his purpose. What was his purpose? His purpose was to go around and tell everybody else what Jesus has did. And that is the purpose that God has called you and me. He didn't call us just to come to Sunday morning worship and be comfortable and look cute. He didn't call us just to learn all that we can in order that we can sound intelligent. He didn't call us in order that we can hold our heads up high at other people and say, oh, I don't do that. No, no, he called us for the purpose of being a megaphone to about for him, for the purpose of telling other people, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possessions that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous life. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And our job as the call is to lose our mind and tell other people about the call. Our job as God's people is to go and be reckless for God and let them know, come unto Christ, all you who labor and who are heavy laden, and he will give you rest. Come, come and know this gentle Savior. Come and know this king and mighty warrior. Come and know the one who died on Calvary's Galgotha's hill. Come and have life and stop living as a zombie being pushed to and fro by the ways of the world. Come and have peace and please God. But how will those who don't know Christ come unless those who know Christ tell them about Christ? God has called us to call others. He called us out of darkness to be light. And let our light soul shine. How will they call upon the name of the Lord unless they hear? And how will they hear unless the preachers, preachers preach? God is still making the same call coming to me. Christ is in heaven making this call come unto me. But this call is coming through the church. We are his mouthpiece, we proclaim his word to this community in order that those whom he has chose, in order that they may come to the light. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for our calling. We thank you, Father God, that you didn't just leave us with a general call, but you You gave us an effectual, a a effective call that you called us like you did Lazarus from from physical death. You called us spiritually and and said, come unto me. And, And Lord, we thank you that you allowed us to come. We recognize that it was not our might. It was not our strength. It was not our heritage. It was not our intellect that allowed us to come. But like Lydia in that book of Acts, Father God, we know that you softened our heart and allowed us to see the truth. Father, we praise you for that. Give us the courage to live courageous. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.